0: Well, good morning, New Day. Good morning. So good to see you guys. Thanks so much for coming out here in person. Thanks so much to everyone who's tuned in online. However you've decided to join us today, I'm just so happy you can be with us for the continuation of our study through the fascinating gospel of Matthew. Our text today is Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. And in these particular verses, what we see is Jesus' invitation to the salvation that only He can provide. Now, personally, I love invitations. Does anybody else love being invited to stuff? I can't always accept the invitations that I receive. I got a pretty busy schedule, but that doesn't detract at all from the fact that when I'm invited to something, I just feel great about it. I mean, I remember I was in middle school and it was the Sadie Hawkins dance. Normally the guys invite the girls, but for Sadie Hawkins, the girls invite the guys. And I had a cute girl invite me and I just felt, oh my goodness, I feel great about this. (laughs) I remember not too long ago, someone here in our church, they got married and they invited me to come be a part of that special event in their life. And I just felt so touched and so honored that at their special day, they would invite me to come and to pray at the reception. And just, they wanted me to be a part. And it just, it just felt good. Now, now, if you're invited to appear in court, not such a great invite, okay? But apart from that, apart from, I got an invitation to serve on jury duty uh, this Thursday, okay? I'm not as excited about that as I am about other invites. But normally, when I am invited to something, uh, it's just this good feeling. Now, friends, if we feel good, if we feel touched, if we feel uh, honored when someone extends an invite to us, when another human being extends an invite to us, then how much more so should we feel touched, should we feel honored, should we feel privileged, should we feel good when God the Son himself extends an invite our way? And what I want you to understand about Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 25 to 30, is that that is exactly what we see. It is God the Son extending an invite to us, and it is an invite to the salvation that is found only through him. Now, why is God continuously throughout the pages of Scripture extending an invite to salvation? Well, the answer is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where the apostle Peter lets us know this, that God is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I hope you'll pay attention today because anyone includes you, and it includes me. Friends, all throughout scripture, God extends the invite to be saved to us because he doesn't want any of us to perish. He wants all of us to come to repentance. So all throughout scripture, we see numerous uh, invites from God. Uh, I'll cover just a few of the more notable ones. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, God extends an invite to salvation through his prophet Isaiah saying this, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. In other words, the invite goes out to everyone for I am God and there is no other. Later in this same book, God extends uh, another invitation to salvation. This time using food and drink as a metaphor for eternal life. God says, Is anyone thirsty? Isaiah chapter 55. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. And friends, it's like this throughout Scripture. Over and over and over, God extends the invitation to salvation because he doesn't want anyone to miss it. Now, I love this. There's 66 books in the Bible, and you'd be hard-pressed to find one that doesn't have a direct or indirect invite to the salvation uh, that God wants us to experience. But here's the deal. Even after extending the invite over and over and over and over, by the time we get to the last book of the Bible, you're probably like, "Okay, fine. We've had 65 books of the same thing. In the last book, maybe finally he'll take a break." But that's not what we see. In the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, when you get to the very last chapter, chapter 22, we see yet another invitation. It's as if God's saying, in case you didn't get all my other ones, before we wrap things up here, let me just remind you what is of paramount importance, and it is my invite to you to come to me for the salvation that only I can provide. So that's what we see in the very uh, last chapter of the Bible. Yet another invite. Take a look. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water, of life, So note with me that in the Old Testament, God said, uh, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. In the New Testament, God says, come, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life come to me. So friends, the invite is for all. And God extends it over and over and over. He extended it through the prophet Isaiah. He extended it through the apostle John. He extended it through many, many others. But here's the deal. God's greatest invitation to salvation came through Jesus. And that's what we see in our text today. God's greatest invitation of all delivered directly from Jesus. Let me read you All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friends, our text begins with these words, at that time. And that's a key part to understanding our passage today and how it fits into the overall flow and context of Matthew's gospel. At that time, what is Jesus referring to? He's referring to the events that we covered last week. I'll do a quick recap. Last week, Jesus condemned the inhabitants of three Jewish cities, the cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, because though Jesus did most of his miracles and his teaching in those three cities, they did not repent. And so Jesus pronounces over them condemnation. Jesus tells them, impending doom is is in your future. He says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, woe to you, Capernaum. And this was a pronouncement of impending doom. And the doom he talked about, of course, was hell. He basically says to them, when you think you die, you think you're going to ascend to heaven. But let me tell you the reality, you're going to descend into Hades, where you will await the great white throne judgment, upon which you will receive sentencing for all eternity in the lake of fire. So it's just this super serious message that Jesus has just given. And naturally, anytime someone hears a teaching on hell, at least in some, there is a desire to escape such a terrible fate. So at that time, Jesus extends the invitation that we're reading today so that all who might desire to escape such a fate could do so. Now, today... We are looking at Jesus' invitation, and I'll give you a little overview of where we're going because all we're going to do today is unpackage the invitation. We're going to look at uh, number one, its extent, number two, its requirements, number three, its audience, and number four, its object. And now that you have the overview of where we're going today, uh, let's dive right in. If you're taking notes, the first thing we see about Jesus's invitation is its extent, its extent. Who does Jesus's invitation extend out to? That's the question we're covering now. When I moved back to this area after being gone for about 10 years, I grew up in this area. And after I was gone for roughly 10 years, about a decade here, I moved back this time with family in tow and I returned. And my arrival back kind of disrupted things in the family. Normally, everyone could be invited, uncles, aunts, extended family, to Thanksgiving and to Christmas. But when I came back with my family, uh, we kind of... put things over the top in terms of my parents being able to host Thanksgiving and Christmas at their house. And so uh, everyone was loved just the same as always, but not everyone uh, could fit any longer uh, in the house. And so unfortunately, some people uh, had to find somewhere else to celebrate those holidays in the family. They just, they weren't invited uh, just because of space limitations. And when it comes to Jesus' invitation to salvation, some people wonder, Mike, is it kind of like your parents where not everyone is invited to partake? And I think this is such an important place um, to begin. Because what we all need to understand is that Jesus' invitation extends out to everyone. It is not limited. Yet some people look to this very invitation of Jesus that is for everyone to make the argument that it's only for some. Some people point to verse 25, for example. In verse 25, it speaks of God the Father hiding the truths of the kingdom from the wise and understanding. And some say, see, God hides the truths of the kingdom for some, so salvation is not for everyone. And then they might turn to verse 27, where Jesus says that the only ones who can know the Father are those whom he chooses to know the Father. And some say, see, Jesus chooses some and he does not choose others. Salvation is limited in its extent. It is not something that everyone can RSVP to because it's really not even offered to everyone. But friends, what I want you to understand today is that this cannot be the case because of two other parts of the very same passage. Number one, in verse 25, we read this. At that time, Jesus declared. Now, friends, Jesus had to declare because crowds of thousands and thousands of people followed him everywhere he went. Now, if you're trying to limit who can be invited to salvation, you don't declare it publicly, openly, loudly for all to hear. No, 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 if it's for only some, you kind of give that, you gather the people to whom it applies, you give it confidentially, you give it privately, you give it secretly in some clandestine meeting. But that's not what Jesus did. He declared his invitation to all the crowds because it was for everyone. That the invitation is for everyone and not a limited few is further enforced in verse 28. And I need your help. Jesus says in verse 28, come to me. What's that next word? Come on, say it like you mean it. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. So, friends, the invitation is for everyone. Every single human being on the planet can RSVP to the invitation if they like. Amen. So, that's the first thing we see about Jesus' invitation. We see its extent, it extends to everyone. All right, moving on. The second thing we see about Jesus' invitation is its requirements its requirements. Though the invitation is for all, as we've just seen, it can only be accepted by those willing to meet its requirements. I like to think of it like a black tie event. Oh, you can be invited to a black tie event, but even though you're invited, they won't let you in to the event unless you meet the requirements that the host has for the event. And that's what it's like in the kingdom of heaven. The the invite to enter into the kingdom of heaven is indeed for everyone, but only those who meet the requirements of the host can actually be welcomed in. And what we see in our text today in verses 25 to 30 is four requirements attached to Jesus's invitation. And we're going to go through each of these four requirements. The first one is humility. The first requirement for entrance into Jesus' kingdom is humility. Take a look with me at verse 25, where Jesus says of God the Father, You have hidden these things, the glories of the kingdom of heaven, from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to little children. Now let me explain. Here, The wise and the understanding represent those who are proud and self-reliant. While little children, it's literally in the Greek, babies, infants, represents those who are wholly dependent upon someone else to provide everything that they need. So for the proud and self-reliant, God says, I've got nothing. For those who are wholly dependent upon me to provide them with what they need, uh, I have eternal life. So it's kind of like this, Kristen and I, uh, we have a baby right now. Uh, He just turned one just a little bit ago. And so he, little Andrew, little baby Andrew, he is absolutely entirely dependent upon Kristen and I to provide him with everything he needs because that's the way it is with babies, right? All the parents in the house said, amen. You know, they cannot clothe themselves. They cannot feed themselves. They cannot protect themselves. Little Andrew, he can't brush the six or so little teeth that have come in so far. He just can't do it, you know. He is completely dependent on us to provide him with everything that he needs. So what Jesus then is teaching here is that to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must come to God with great humility, viewing ourselves as spiritual infants, as those who are wholly dependent on God to provide what we cannot provide for ourselves. And this idea is just a repeat of material that Jesus has already covered with a different word picture back in Matthew 5. Back in Matthew 5, chapter 3, Jesus said this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now friends, to be materially poor means we have nothing with which to purchase the goods we need, but to be spiritually poor means we have nothing with which to purchase the salvation we desperately need. So here the kingdom comes to those who admit to God that they have nothing with which to purchase salvation, who then knowing this humbly ask God to purchase salvation for them which is exactly what God did through Jesus on the cross. And friends, this is how it works. When we are proud and self-reliant, God's got nothing for us. When we are humble, he welcomes us into the kingdom. As the Apostle James put it in James chapter 4, verse 6, God opposes, who does he oppose? He opposes the proud. But God gives grace to the humble. If you want to receive God's grace and entrance into his kingdom, you need to humble yourself before him, asking him to provide for you what you cannot provide for yourself. Number two. Number two. The second requirement for entrance into the kingdom is what we're going to call mediation. Mediation. And we see this in the second part of verse 27 where Jesus says no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So friends, simply put, Jesus is saying the way to the father is through me. And this too is a repeat of the same truth that Jesus has taught elsewhere. For example, in John chapter 14, verse six, what does Jesus say? I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's all Jesus is saying in our text today. Now, when Jesus says, you have to come through me to get to the Father, friends, this assumes something. It assumes that our sin has broken our relationship with God. It assumes that our sin has made us God's enemy and an object of God's wrath. And so when Jesus says, you know, you got to, come through me if you want to get to the Father, what he's really saying is, I can serve if you'd like me to as the mediator between you and God to reconcile the broken relationship that exists because of your sin. So mediation is required for entrance into the kingdom. As the apostle Paul taught in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, there is one God, And there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So the invitation then from Jesus to us is this. Hey, come to me so that I can fix what's broken between you and God the Father. Paul teaches in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 that those who are justified through faith make peace with God. When we come to Jesus in faith, we go from enemy of God to being at peace with God. But this peace is made possible only by our mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. So the second requirement for entrance into the kingdom is mediation. Got to have that mediator, and Jesus is that mediator. Number three, the third requirement for entrance into the kingdom according to our text, according to the words of Jesus in our text, is faith. The third requirement is faith. Take a look with me at verse 28, where Jesus says this. He says, come to me. Now, when you read that at first, you're like, okay, so what does that mean? Like like just physically you're there and I want you to come here, come to me. Is that what he means? And so what you do is you study the words of Jesus uh, elsewhere, And you see other times that Jesus uh, taught and you see other times that Jesus used uh, this same invitation to come to me. And it's by studying the other instances throughout the Gospels where Jesus said, come to me, that we learn what it really means when Jesus says these words. So let's take a look at John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus there said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus here uses come to me and believe in me interchangeably. And I did a little study of this and I found other places where this was the case as well. For example, John chapter seven, verse 37. In that that verse, come to me and believe in me, it's the same thing. So this is why I'm saying that the... uh, The third requirement for entrance into the kingdom is faith. We must come to Jesus to believe in him. Now, the question begs, well, what in the world are we supposed to believe in specifically? We're to come to Jesus, meaning we're to believe in Jesus. But what are we to believe in Jesus to do for us? And friends, the answer is simple. We must believe on Jesus as the Messiah as the savior that God promised to send into the world. So we must believe that Jesus then will save us, will spare us from the penalty that God's law demands for sin, which is physical and spiritual death. You see, when we sin, that guarantees that we will die physically. And if we die apart from Christ, that's a guarantee that we will one day suffer eternally. But when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to spare us from physical and spiritual death, that's exactly what he does. Though we will die physically apart from the rapture, Jesus will save us from physical death in that he will resurrect us from the dead. And we are saved from spiritual death, which is a euphemism for hell, In that Jesus says, if you don't want to spend eternity there, let me extend the invite to you to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you can live there for all eternity instead of in hell. So friends, we are to believe, we are to have faith in Jesus to spare us from God's wrath poured out against sin. Number four, the fourth and final requirement for entrance into the eternal kingdom of heaven that Jesus will rule over forever, the fourth requirement is submission. Submission. Take a look at verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Friends, this is a call to submission here with submission being symbolized by the yoke. In the time of Christ, just as is the case today, the yoke was used to bring an animal under the control of its master, and it was used to guide the animal in useful work. The yoke is made of wood and is part of the harness typically used to pull a plow so that a farmer can more easily plow his field. And this being the case, it's very natural to use the yoke as a symbol for submission As Jesus does here. Now, the question begs what are we supposed to submit to? If submission is a requirement for entrance into the kingdom of heaven, well, what is it specifically that we're supposed to submit to? And Jesus provides for us the answer. We must submit to the teachings of Jesus. Take a look with me at verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. And can we read this out loud? and learn from me." So friends, the yoke of Jesus is a yoke of instruction. The yoke of Jesus is a body of teaching that we must come under and submit to. You've heard me say many times, and I'll say it again, that Jesus has to be Lord and Savior, or he is neither. Many people want to come to Jesus So that he will be their savior because they fear going to hell. But then those same people have no interest in Jesus being their Lord. They have no interest in submitting to the teachings of Jesus found in the pages of scripture. But Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. I can't just be your savior and not your Lord. I have to be Lord and savior or I'm neither. And friends, the way that we show Jesus that he is Lord is to take the yoke of his instruction upon us and submit to it. So the true disciple of Jesus uh, gets in the word of God on a regular basis to learn the words and ways of Jesus. And though we don't do it perfectly, uh, we, we strive that our life would predominantly be characterized by obedience to the word of God. Friends, we must submit to Jesus's rule if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. So those are the four requirements. Now, the four requirements were subpoints to point number two. And anytime I do subpoints, I fear everyone's going to get lost. So I have a visual for you so that everyone can be sure to know exactly where we are in the sermon. Let me show it to you. Today, our theme is Jesus's invitation. That's the theme. That's what we're talking about. That's what we see in verses 25 to 30. And today we are looking at like the multifaceted diamond, every aspect of Jesus's invitation. Number one, the first thing we saw about Jesus's invitation was its extent. It's offered to who? To everyone. The second thing that we saw about Jesus's invitation was its requirements. And we saw that there's four. But now that we've seen its extent and seen its requirements, now I want us to note the third thing we see about Jesus' invitation in our text, which is its audience. And we see this in verse 28. Jesus says in verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. So Jesus is saying, come to me, if you're weary. Now in context, those who are weary are the common folk of Israel who have been working to find God, who have been working hard to please God, who have been working to try to get right with God. And the heavy burden on their backs, the thing that's exhausted them so much is the infinite list of man-made rules that the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of Israel told the common people of the nation they had to follow in order to one day enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, in Jesus's time, there was a group of people called the scribes, And their job was to take the commands in scripture. In the Mosaic law, there's 613 commands. And it was the job of the scribe to take each command and flesh it out. So here's what they would do. They would say, okay, let's just take one of the 10 commandments. You shall keep the Sabbath day holy. And on the Sabbath day, you shall do no work. That was one of the 613 commands in the Mosaic law. And they would say, all right, we got to flesh that out. On the Sabbath day, we're not allowed to do any work. So let's go ahead and define work. And they would talk about it, endlessly talk about it. And they decided that to carry a load was work. So having decided that carrying a load was work, they had to decide, well, what's okay to carry and what's okay not to carry. Here's what they came up with. They decided it was okay to carry food so long as it didn't weigh more than a fig. They decided it was okay to carry wine, but not more than could fit in your cup. You could carry milk, but not uh, more than you could swallow in one gulp. You could carry ink, but only enough to write two letters of the alphabet with. And you could carry a reed, but only if it was the length of a pen. And they went on like this endlessly for all 613 commands of the Mosaic law. And you know what it resulted in? 60 volumes of rules and regulations that the people were told they needed to follow to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, friends, it was near impossible just to learn all the rules, and it was totally impossible to keep them. So Jesus comes along to these weary people, and he says this of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verse 4. He says in judgment against them. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. And Jesus is scolding them for such an uh, uncompassionate action. And when Jesus says they tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear and lay them on the people's shoulders, he's giving them really a word picture that was very common and easily understood to the people he was originally speaking to, uh, but really isn't um, super obvious to us today what he was referring to. So let me explain. In Jesus's day, believe it or not, they didn't have pickup trucks. No F-150s in Jesus's day. So they used donkeys instead. A donkey was an ancient Jewish pickup truck. That's what it was. (laughs) And when the Jews would harvest their fields, they would put the crop they harvested on the donkey and they would tie it to their shoulders, putting so much on its back that all you could see sometimes was its head and its hooves. Guys, this here is actually not that bad of a load. Sometimes they would go double this or try to do triple this. And Jesus was saying then that this is what the Pharisees are doing to the people that they're trying to lead spiritually. They're placing a heavy set of man-made rules and regulations on their backs. It's crushing them. It's a cumbersome load, and it's making religion a burden instead of a blessing. So the audience of Jesus's invitation in context is those who are being crushed by the legalistic demands of the Pharisees. Let me just say as a side note, we have had so many people who have come to New Day after experiencing church hurt some other place and whatever, and I cannot even begin to tell you some of the legalistic requirements. Oh, you gotta be in church every single day and make sure you don't wear a dress and make sure you don't have makeup on and do this and do that and don't do that. And you gotta go out every Saturday and you gotta share your faith. And if you don't, you're going to hell. You have to attend church three times a week. And I mean, I could just go on and on and on. So this same kind of nonsense that existed back then, it exists today. It just looks a little bit different Different today than it did back then, but it continues. So Jesus' invitation was to those who are weary back then, and Jesus' invitation today is to those who are weary today. This leads nicely to the fourth and final thing that we see about Jesus' invitation, which is its object. That's the last thing we see in our text about Jesus' invitation. We see its object. And this is found in verses 28 to 29. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. For for what purpose? What's the object of coming to me? So I can give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. For what purpose? For what goal? What's the object of coming to Jesus? So you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I would say so, huh? We covered four requirements that Jesus gave for entrance into his kingdom. Compare that with 60 volumes of rules and regulations on top of the 613 commands of the Old Testament. And yeah, Jesus got it just right. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Jesus said, you guys are so confused by all the rules. You want me to sum up all 613 commands of the Old Testament? Let me do it as follows. Love God, love people. You do that, you're good. Talk about lightening the people's load. Talk about lightening our load. Love God, love people. Ten commandments, first four are about loving God. The other six are about loving people. Love God, love people. It's the summary of the entire law. Jesus made it simple. So to people being crushed under the weight of a long list of man-made rules, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Now, friends, rest in Scripture oftentimes uh, is a metaphor for eternal life. And that's precisely what rest means here. Come to me so I can give you rest. Come to me for eternal life. Jesus knew they would never find eternal life by keeping a bunch of rules. For as we learned as a church when we studied through the book of Romans, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. No, the law simply shows us how sinful we are. So Jesus invites the people to hop off the performance treadmill, the treadmill that they had been running on for such a long time, the treadmill that had left them weary to the bone, and he invites them to come to him for the eternal life that they were searching for. They were so exhausted trying to get right with God, trying to do what what pleased God. They were just like, this is an impossible feat. And Jesus says, "Get, get off that performance treadmill. Come to me and I can provide you with exactly what you're looking for. I can be the mediator to get you right with God. I can fix what's broken between you and God. I can show you how to please him And my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So it's nothing like what the religious leaders are telling you is required in order to be right with God. And what they're telling you is required to enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says, come to me, come to me, come to me. And friends, the same invitation he gave to them, it's exactly the invitation that he gives to us. It's the same invitation. Now, some of you who are believers today, you're saying, oh man, I should have skipped church today because it's about Jesus's invitation and it's already been extended my way. I've already RSVP'd for entrance into the kingdom and uh, man, I could have slept in today. Why did I come to church? I hope that's not the way you're thinking because here's the deal. The application for the believer is this. Jesus today has shown us how to properly extend an invitation to our friends and family and neighbors and coworkers with whom we share our faith. A lot of times today, we model our uh, evangelism strategy and our invitation uh, to people to accept Jesus after some famous, you know, religious figure and, uh, and not after Jesus. But Jesus today has shown us what's required. And if these were the essential components of Jesus's invitation to salvation, how many of you understand? These need to be the same essential components of ours. So when we talk to our lost friends and family, we need to let them know it's so important that with humility, we come before God asking him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You cannot earn it. I know that's a popular concept that when you die, God's gonna weigh your good against your bad. Well, friends, that's saying that you can earn your salvation. But no, salvation's for those who with great humility come to God asking him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And then once they've got that concept, you move on. Friends, what you need is a mediator. Your sin, my sin, it separates us from God. It makes us his enemy. But Jesus has offered to be the mediator who will reconcile our broken relationship with God. And then we tell him, we gotta come to Jesus asking for forgiveness of sins and then believing on Jesus to spare us from the penalty that God's law demands for sin, which is death. Jesus will spare us from that penalty. He will take the punishment for sin upon himself. In fact, he already has. So if you ask him to forgive you of your sins, God can do that. His justice can be satisfied, yet we can go free because sin has been punished. It's just been punished through Jesus. Compliments of God the Father who sent him to save us from our sin so that we can enter his kingdom and live with him forever instead of living forever in hell. And then we move on not hiding the reality that Jesus calls for a life of obedience. Jesus calls for a life of submission to his will. And this is something we're so often to just tone down. But friends, I'm under the firm conviction we just have to tell people the truth and then leave the results with God. As a preacher, I'm always tempted to tone down what it says. Take, for example, last week where we kicked off the new year talking about hell. I was so tempted to tone it down. God, why is this the passage for this week? Why did it have to line up this way? I'd rather talk about something nicer to kick off a new year other than the lake of fire. But I said, you know what? It's my job. Just, I'm just gonna share the truth and I'm gonna leave it with God. And seven people accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior last week. I believe we tone it down trying to just get everyone to, people don't want something that's easy actually. They're more drawn to just telling them how it is, telling it to them straightforward, laying it out. He requires submission. He must be Lord. And if you're willing to make him Lord, he will more than gladly receive you into his eternal kingdom that he will rule one day over forever. So friends, just, just share it how it is and leave the results with God. Now, if you're not currently a follower of Jesus, uh, we are so glad you're here, but the application for you is different than it is for the believer. If you're not currently a follower of Jesus, the application for you, of course, is to accept the invitation that Jesus has extended your way today. On Facebook, you can be invited to an event and you got three options in terms of how you can respond Number one, you can click I'm going. Number two, you can click I'm interested but haven't decided yet. Number three, you can click ignore. I would implore you not to choose the ignore option. If you need to keep coming so you can learn more to make an informed decision, great. Click in your heart, I'm interested. And keep coming and keep learning. So that one day you can make Jesus Lord and Savior. But I know for others of you, you have have heard, you have learned, you've been coming for a while. And you're now at that place of decision where you're like, you know, I kind of want to check. I'm going. I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm going to spend all eternity with Jesus in the kingdom that God the Father has appointed him to rule over forever. And if that's you today, if today's the day where you want to say, Jesus, I'm touched, I'm honored. I feel so good that you would extend an invite to me. Jesus, the kingdom that God has appointed you to rule over forever, you want me to be in it? I'm touched. If today's the day where that's the way you feel and you're ready to accept the invite and meet the requirements for entrance in the kingdom, today's the day that salvation will come to you. If that's where you're at today, I wanna ask you to join me now in our closing prayer. So wherever you are, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Those of you online, everyone out in the foyer, uh, you're, not, you're out of sight, but you are not out of mind. I'm talking to you, everyone here in the auditorium. Would you say something along these lines to God in your heart? Say, Heavenly Father, I've heard your invitation loud and clear today, and I want to thank you for extending it. Today, I'm RSVPing my spot in the eternal kingdom of Christ. And I am more than happy to meet your requirements. Today, I humbly come before you, asking you to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Today, I'm trusting Jesus to mediate my broken relationship with you. Today, I put my faith and trust in Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to spare me from the penalty that your law demands for sin, which is death and for taking the punishment for sin upon himself so that it wouldn't have to fall on me, today I gladly appoint Jesus Lord of my life. I willingly take his yoke upon me, submitting my will to his teaching found in the pages of scripture. I ask Jesus today to be my savior, but also my Lord. I confess him as Lord. And upon my confession of faith, I ask that you would forgive my sins and grant me citizenship in his kingdom. I pray all these things in his name. Amen. Thanks for experiencing this message with us. If you've been blessed by what you heard, we would love to connect with you even more. So be sure to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. And don't forget to find us on the Church Center app for more information about all things New Day. May God bless you, and we hope to see you again soon.